Good morning. It's good to be in the house of the Lord, isn't it? What a wonderful time of worship and just praising the Lord. That is so fantastic. Ushers, if you want to come forward, if you, got, if you need Bibles, just raise your hand and they'll get you a Bible and you can put it in your hand there. We're going to continue our study in Matthew, Matthew chapter 2. We're going to look at the first 12 verses. And so, um, yeah, I'm going to give you a little bit of context, a little background, and then we'll just dig into the Word, okay? Uh, 28 chapters in the book of Matthew. And uh, it is a fantastic, inspiring book of the Bible. Now, the nation of Israel is under Roman rule and thus heavily taxed. And they are, they are treated very harshly. And the way that the Roman government did this was imposing extreme heavy tax on the people. Something that we can't really even <laughs> think about here, right? <laughs> Oh, you, you can connect the dots too? Yeah, me too. So, uh, so heavy taxation, what a burden. And in the year 33 AD, there was a great financial crisis in Rome. Because of this, the tax system even got worse. And in turn, it hurt the nation of Israel even more. Now, one of the major individuals, of course, is Matthew, or also known as Levi, uh, he was a, a tax collector. But really what he was is he was an, an evangelist. One of the 12 who hung out with Jesus Christ. An incredible relationship that he had with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords for three years. Can you imagine what it would be like to be with Jesus Christ, walking with him, talking with him, conversing, eating with him, laying down at night, what an incredible, incredible time he must have had. Of course, there's a downside. You couldn't tell a joke because Jesus knew the punchline first, right? As soon as you start, he's like, oh, yeah, I know it. <laughs> um, you couldn't say, uh, well, I don't know if I could really do this or not. And Jesus would give you a glance and say, yeah, you can, because I, I know you can, right? But what an incredible journey Matthew must have had with Jesus Christ. The book of Matthew, in my opinion, is kind of a, a book of rejection from beginning to end. Now, Matthew presents Jesus as the king, and it does so in many different ways, beginning with the genealogy, like we heard last week, the legal descent, the bloodline of Jesus as the king of Israel. We've seen that Jesus was born of a virgin, deity in human flesh, Son of God, 100% deity, 100% human. Christ's supernatural beginning, his supernatural life, his supernatural death, and his supernatural resurrection. It's, it's the complete package is what we see. Now, if Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, then the claim that he could save is highly questionable. So the very fact that Matthew brings this out, and it's important to Matthew, it should be important to us as well. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 2 and verses 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. 
But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judea. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, who had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent to Bethlehem and he said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring him back to me, that I may come and worship him. Verse 9. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts, of, gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and what? Tell me. Myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream, they should not return to Herod. They departed for their own country another way. Let's pray. Thanks, Father, for your word that is really, it's amazing. And that's why we can sing about amazing grace. Father, let the scriptures challenge us, move us, mold us, help us to grow closer to you. I thank you and I love you, Father, for what you have done and what you will do and your perfect plan. It is so precious. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Now you might say, isn't this passage for, for Christmas time, the, the Christmas season? Yeah, sure it is. But it's still truth, right? So we can still teach it anytime, yes? Now why would we leave it for just a specific annual short block of time? It's not just particularly important at Christmas, but it is specifically important anytime, for it is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. It is important 365 days a year. Now, there is a danger that this passage we're touching on today is important for one distinct day or, or a week, and, and it's not. It's unspeakably important every single moment of our lives. So let's dive in and take a look at that. Verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. So here we have Jesus. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, is born, the savior of the world. Now, last week, we learned that Christ was born to be the savior. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21, the Bible says, he will save his people from their sins. Not maybe, not might, he will save his people from their sins. John chapter 3 and verse 17, the Bible says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So he was born so that we can be saved. Where was he born? He was born in Bethlehem, the Bible says. Bethlehem means the house of bread. What a fitting name for the place where the very bread of life is to be born. Isn't it neat how God kind of puts things together to be able to give us a picture so that we won't forget things? Bethlehem, it's a real place. It dates all the way back to the book of Genesis where Jacob buried Rachel. Ruth married Boaz, and King David's hometown, known as the city of David. The Old Testament is very clear. It states that the Messiah was to be born there. Sadly, however, the people of God didn't bother to take 
notice of it. But the wise men did. The wise men did. Now this happens, the Bible says, in the days of Herod the king. So the land was under Roman rule, and the Roman Senate made Herod, watch this, the king of the Jews. That's the title that he was given, and he, because he wanted absolute authority, and he held this title right up until his death. Herod crushed all those who were in opposition to him. He killed his wife, killed his children, and some of his own colleagues. He did not like to be challenged, did not want to be challenged, and he would not tolerate the thought of anyone paying tribute to another king. The wise men from the east, these men were anxiously looking for a king because they didn't have a king. Now think this through with me for a moment. The Jewish people who should have been looking for the Messiah, the king of kings, the anointed one, didn't bother to look. And yet, these non-Jews did. Think about that. God's own people did not seek him. This is amazing to me. Take a look at John chapter 1 and verse 11. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. The theologians, the priests, they were indifferent. They didn't care about him, apparently. They never even bothered to go to Bethlehem to see him. They had the Pentateuch in their hands. They studied it every day. They were reading the prophecies and yet were apathetic. Instead, it was the wise strangers from a far off land. Pagan astrologers that came to worship him. Now, who were these, these guys? They were known as magi, which means it's plural. It's, they brought three gifts. No, that doesn't mean there were, there were three guys. We just assume that. No, don't go home and pull out your nativity scene and say, okay, here it goes, honey. It's in the garbage. Heresy, and dump it in there. Don't do that, okay? But we assume there's three guys, but the Bible never says that. They brought three gifts, though. So were they kings? Did they, did they ride camels? Was it a one-hump camel or two-hump camel? Does that really matter? No, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter. What is important was, is they were seeking Jesus Christ. They were seeking the Christ. Now, this begs me to ask a question. Are you seeking Jesus? Are you seeking Jesus? Will you be like Martha and respond to Jesus by saying, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Will you be like Peter in his conversation with Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And Peter responds and says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You see, folks, these are important issues that need to be answered correctly. Listen, the best legacy that you could ever leave your kids, your, your grandkids, your friends, your family, is that you live your life here on earth seeking Jesus. The Bible says, seek and ye shall find. Find what? Find Jesus. Find heaven. Find hope. Find forgiveness. Find repentance. You find peace. Peace from God, which is given to us as a gift. 
peace with God, which is found in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Seek and ye shall find. You will find Christ. You will find joy. And you will find salvation. Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you born again? As the Bible teaches, are you a follower of Christ? You can be because, you see, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you have done, your education or your lack of education, your financial status, your prominence in society or your lack thereof. You matter to God. You matter to God. And if you call out to him in sincerity, with an open heart, with honesty, and wholeheartedly, and you ask him, Lord, save me, forgive me of my sins. He will save you. He will save you. John chapter 20 and verse 30 says this. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which were not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The Bible also says that he is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 9 and 10 say this, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. You see, there's two eternal destinations for mankind, wrath and salvation. Heaven and that awful place called hell. Salvation is offered to all in a manner of a gift, wrapped in grace and mercy and in love. If you've never sought out God, do so now. Do so now before it's eternally too late. For you and I do not know what tomorrow brings. We don't know what tonight brings. We can leave this parking lot and get onto that road, and we don't know if that is our last time on this earth. If I could encourage you to do anything at this moment in time today, it is to become born again. Born again, as the Bible says. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 2. The Bible says this, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So these guys, they're talking to King Herod. And they say, we have seen his star in the east. They saw his glory. That's what they saw. God made it so clear and so obvious that they got up and they went immediately to the correct place. It's incredible how God works things out, isn't it? To get his things done. They saw, they came, and they worshiped. Their, they had, their hearts were hungry. They were, they were yearning for a divine savior. But it's interesting, Gentiles coming to pay homage to King Jesus. How's your heart? Are you hungry? to do the same? Does your heart yearn, yearn for the king? It, it, it can. You might say, I'm saved, I'm born again, but I just don't have that hunger. Take his word, read his word, hear his word, study his word, memorize his word, meditate on what he says in his word, and that he will draw, that, draw you to him, and you will 
experience that hunger and that yearning. That's how he does that. Verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. Notice that. All of Jerusalem with him. Some exciting things are going to happen now. And when he had gathered together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So here's Herod. He's agitated. Now these wise guys, the magi, they're excited. They're thrilled. They're happy. And Herod, total opposite. He was in trouble. He's in panic mode. Not only him, but notice what the scripture says, all of Jerusalem. What's going on here? Why is this happening? Well, there's a new king in town. That's why. King Jesus. (laughs) Let the party begin. Because Herod was not going to take this lying down. He was not going to step aside. Why? Because he was cruel. He he was a a tyrant. Uh, The name alone equated with corruption, scandal, and cruelty and fear. Now, there's a lot in a name, isn't there? You can say certain names and all kinds of emotions come up. Some great, some good, some bad. But when you say a name, people kind of like, hmm, and you have that that emotion. Like, for example, um, Kobe Bryant, Steve Jobs. Let me pull up my iPhone and see who that is right there, Steve Jobs. Jimmy Patterson. Stuart Karpiak, known for his good looks, chiseled body, often, often uh, confused with Ryan Goslin or you know Ryan Reynolds. No, no, not, not at all. So when the word Herod, people heard his name Herod, the hair on the back of their neck stood up because they knew fear when they hear that name. A murderer, diabolical. Basically, he's whacked. So he hears this, and he's not a happy camper. So what did he do? He gathered all the chief priests, all the scribes, and he asked them where the Christ was to be born. Notice what Herod says. Where will Christ be born? That's something. Where will Christ be born? Christ. Because you see, he knew. He connected the dots. He knew deity had arrived. He knew the anointed one was upon him. Herod had enough knowledge to understand that the Messiah was to be born. He knew what they were asking. He knew that the throne of David was to be reestablished. He summoned the religious power of the day, the hotshots of Israel, the who's who of theology, so to speak. And a large group of people came together to discuss this with him. Can you imagine the emotions that is going on in that room right there? I mean, the spiritual leaders are all there. King Herod is there. And they just got upstaged by a bunch of pagans. He asks, where will Christ be born? To worship him? To honor him? To bow down and worship, and, and bow down and worship him? No, totally on the contrary. Take a look at verse 5. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. I like that. A shepherd 
shepherd my people. The scribes, the Pharisees, the priests, they quote this Old Testament scripture to answer King Herod. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. This is what Micah prophesied about. And they all knew that. They were all in agreement as they quoted this because it was common knowledge where the Messiah would be born. But they paid no attention to it. Basically, they said, a ruler is coming, a governor, a shepherd, a, someone who will love and care for his people. Now, that's the Jesus that I know, one who loves me, John 3, 16. One who cares for me, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Let's look at verse 7 here. Then Herod, when he had secretly called, notice that, secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring him back to me, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. So Herod calls a private meeting because he knows he's in deep trouble. Have you ever been called into a, a private meeting, like from your boss or somebody important? I have. That's never gone well for me. But he calls a private meeting. And look what Herod asks. What time did the star appear? Not, hi, how are you? Travel far? Did you have any traffic that you had to go through? Did you have any breakdowns or anything? Not a thing. What time did the star appear? Did they answer him? Because Herod was pressing them. Did they answer him? We don't know. Scripture doesn't say, but we do know that Herod figured it out so that he could gather up a plan and stop this malarkey. So he sends them away and tells them to bring back word so that he too may worship him. What a phony. What a lie. He had no intention of doing that whatsoever. Verse 9, when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which had, they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over them the young child, where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Why were they exceedingly great joy? Why were they so thrilled? The journey is now complete. The journey is done. What a day. Time to celebrate. The long travel is over. But notice, they rejoice and how they rejoice exceedingly. They were pretty, pretty happy. They were thrilled. Now, one day, our travel on this earth will be over. For some, too soon. For others, it's a long journey. But all of us will complete the journey of life. When you take your last breath, will you rejoice exceedingly? We, we hope so. We hope so. If you have Christ, the answer will be yes. If your family knows that you are a Christian, that you're in Christ, then they too will rejoice. The question really is, is, the, is your name written in the book of life? See, the greatest honor one can have in the entire world is to have their name written in the book of life as Revelation chapter 20 speaks about. Is your name in that book? Verse 11. 
And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. And when they had opened up their treasures, they presented him gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Notice that throughout this passage, who is mentioned first? Jesus. Why? Because he's the important one. It is through him that salvation is offered. It is through him that forgiveness is given. It is through him that peace is granted. Jesus is the main thing, not gender equality, not climate change, not social justice, not progressive dispensationalism, nor our comfort. Jesus is what is important. Jesus. They saw him, they fell down, and they worshiped him. Notice, not her. Not Mary. They worshiped Jesus. These guys did it right. They did it right. Notice they worshiped him with their giving. What they gave was fitting for a king. What they gave was fitting for the Messiah. What they gave was fitting for the anointed one. Verse 12. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. So we see three groups of people here is what we see. Herod, who despised and hated Christ and rejected him. We see the religious leaders of the day who were indifferent and therefore rejected him. Then we see the wise men who recognized who Jesus was and did all they could to follow him and to worship him. At Riverside, we pray that you're not in the first two groups of people. But if you are, Jesus can and will and wants to change your mind if you let him so that you can be in the third group. See, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. The Bible also says, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. The Bible also says that he is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Have you called on him to forgive you of your sins, to save you, to change you, to take you to heaven when you die. If not, today, you can call upon him and change your destination today, change eternity today. Why? Because you matter to God. That's why he sent his son, the Savior, to this world. Eternity with Christ or eternity apart from Christ. Two groups rejected. One group did not. Worship team, please come forward. The Bible says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not maybe, not might be, not a possibility, you will be. It also says, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It also says, whosoever that calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Whosoever means you. Whosoever means you. It means you. It means you. 
Whosoever means you. It means you. It means you. If you're watching online, it means you. In the overflow, it means you. Have you called on him? Sounds pretty simple. Yeah, because he's not willing that any should perish. It's simple enough that a five-year-old can understand it and a 99-year-old can comprehend it. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You might be sitting here and saying, I've, I don't think I've ever called upon him. I don't think I've ever asked God to forgive me of my sins. I, I, don't, I don't think I've ever done that. Change today. He's listening. He's waiting. He's wanting to save you. You might say, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I, I don't know how. Hey, listen. Do what I did. I honestly, sincerely prayed and I said, Dear Lord Jesus, I realize who you are. Save me and change me. Forgive me of my sins. I'm going to pause for a moment. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, and you feel compelled to do that, and you want to be saved, you want to be born again, as I pause, call out to him. Just say, dear Jesus. Go ahead. Not out loud, but silently. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. Forgive me of my sins. Save me. Change me. Take me to heaven someday. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you honestly meant that and you prayed that for the very first time, I would like you to look up at me. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. I just want to rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm going to look first to my, left, my, my right. And if you prayed and you, for the very first time to ask Christ to save you, just look at me and when our eyes meet, just nod your head. Anybody to my right? I'm going to look in the middle section here of the sanctuary. If you prayed that, for the very first time, and you meant it the best you knew how. Just look at me. Did you pray that prayer? God bless you. Your name is written in the book of life. Kids will really appreciate that. Middle section again. Just look at me, and as our eyes meet, I just want to rejoice with you. Okay. Off to my left, if there's anybody there that prayed for the very first time, meant it the best you know how. I just want to rejoice with you. Just look at me. Did you pray that prayer? <laughs> right on, man. Salvation has come to you. Good job. Anybody in the back row? Did you pray that prayer? Just nod your head. Fab, fabulous. 
you're in the overflow and you're online and you prayed that prayer and you meant it the best you know how, let me know. Contact us here at the church. Tell us so that we can rejoice with you that your name is in the book of life. Thanks, God, so much for all that you have done, for your word, for salvation. We are grateful. Bless these folks today. Wrap your loving arms around them and hold them close to you. In Jesus' holy name, amen.